My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a very bright winter morning here in the capital, but joining us on the show today to hopefully add a little bit more warmth to affairs is Nick Beresford, CEO and founder of Enator. Enator is a developer of premium insole technology that helps enhance performance and prevent injury. Uh, Nick, a very warm welcome to yourself, and by all means, thank you ever so much for joining us on today's programme. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, it's great to be here, and uh, yeah, excited to be uh, on, on the podcast, on the programme. Yeah, it's very exciting having you with us as well, Nick. Now, um, I've only given a very brief sort of overview of what it is that your business, Emitor, actually does there. You provide premium insole technology, and that sort of helps enhance performance, prevent injury. Um, but just to contextualise for the listeners, it's um, quite a well-known product that you create, and it's used by some quite well-known athletes, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, actually, we started about sort of 20 years ago um, working with kind of um, elite athletes from uh, sort of uh, sort of former kind of uh, marathon world record holders, um, uh, um, sort of footballers from people like Michael Owen, a lot of sort of Premier League footballers, uh, sort of recent winners of the Tour de France, and um, yeah, and and it's and it's all a, a sort of a technology that helps to you know reduce the risk of injury. Um, it was, there was a clinical trial using our tech by the British Army, by the MOD, and Melbourne University, and that saw a big reduction in the uh, in the amount of injuries um, and. Uh, it just felt like a great piece of tech that we were effectively just, um, you know, just offering the kind of the elites and the and the and the, and the army and things. And uh, you know, we wanted to try and get that out to the to the global marketplace. And at that stage, um, you know, Usain Bolt was sort of competing at the highest level and mm. in the Olympics. And uh, you know, he really liked the technology and you know helped him and and. Uh, you know, he agreed to come on board as our sort of global ambassador as well um, to help trying to get the message out about what this technology can do in order to help you know reduce the risk of injuries and uh, you know that's the that's the sort of the journey that we've been on and, and we're still on to try and kind of educate the world around uh, you know, that, that actually uh, you know, a piece of you know, people don't think about um, you know, the sort of the, the impact that they get on their feet you know they think about things like um, you know, uh, shin pads or mouth guards or mm. helmets for cycling, etc. But they just don't think about the damage that actually impact from their feet can give. And that's where we come in with a piece of tech that just you can't guarantee that you won't be injured, but it just dramatically reduces the risk. Yeah, exactly. And um, I'd be interested to understand um, as well, Nick, actually, what was it that sort of made you want to go and launch your own venture like this? Because I understand that you worked in a lot of senior roles for sort of a multinational consumer goods corporation. I think it was Procter & Gamble you worked for. What was that sort of watershed moment that made you think that, you know, going and launching my own business is going to be the way for me? I mean, for me, um, yeah, as you say, I worked for sort of Procter & Gamble for almost 17 years in lots of different markets and, you know, had a great career and really thankful to, you know, to, to, uh, to P&G. I think, um, for me, I always wanted to do my own thing. Um, it was quite a risk at the time. We were living in Switzerland and, you know, we had to sort of um, kind of completely sort of pay and relocate the family back to back to England and, and you know, starting really on, um, you know, without being able to pay salaries or anything like that. It was it was quite, a, you know, with the kids in school and things, it was quite a sort of a 
quite a sort of big risk um, and, uh, you know, still continues to be, you know, as, as anyone knows who runs their own sort of business, there's, you know, there's always big challenges around, um, you know, just, just basic stuff like cash flow and different sort of things that happen in the marketplace where a big company can kind of absorb those punches maybe easier than some of the, you know, some of the sort of smaller companies. So, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really sort of enjoying it and, uh, you know, excited about the, the challenge and, you know, the, the sort of the, the, the sort of, I guess, the progress and the success that we've been making. Yeah, and I can certainly imagine so. And it's not the only thing that you've gone on to launch, is it? I suppose it kind of goes hand in hand with what Enator does, uh, that you've launched launched the uh, the running World Cup competition as well, which is hopefully going to be something that's open to everyone rather than just the elite athletes that play in World Cups and the Tour de France and those sorts of things. Um, so having sort of launched that and launched your own business in the shape of Enator, just because, Nick, we do have quite a lot of younger viewers on this podcast that are of that entrepreneurial mindset and may want to launch their own business. Um, what sort of advice as someone who's been there and done it would you give to those people to really get them on the road to success, if any? I think, I mean, two two real pieces of, of advice. I think, you know, um, the, the one thing to probably expect is that, you know, we all have these sort of big dreams and things. Um but it's probably going to take a lot longer than anybody thinks. And, you know, you've got to be sort of prepared for that and, and you know, to ensure that your sort of um, uh, financial situation, whether that's raising money through investors or through a bank or, you know, having your business model, you know, working well at the beginning. So, you know, you, you, you can generate revenue and, and profit, I think is, is, is really the big one. You know, have, have a, you know, you've got to be ready for, some some sort of tough tough potentially tough times and that it won't work straight away and and it probably will take longer and just to sort of know that going in I think is important I think I think the second one is with it with a small business um, and a startup um, the best piece of advice I was given is that there's always an opportunity and you know no matter you know we've had some times where we've been very close to not being able to make it or you know there's just been some serious sort of marketplace challenges you know with covid and, and some of those things where we thought mm. gosh you know we're not going to make it through here but i think the message is you know as long as you keep moving and keep trying to do things there's always a kind of oh hey or you sort of you know you try to find that way and it's only really if you kind of just stop and sort of almost give up and sometimes you know you might need to exit a business or something if it's just not going to work and be realistic on that but i but i mean you know, most sort of businesses is, you know, it's, 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 you just, there's always something probably you can do and you just, you know, even at the sort of the, the, the darkest hour, there's still, a, you know, potential chinks of light and you've got to be agile and try and find that. Yeah, I think that's very right. I think it's important to when there are setbacks and challenges and failures, let's say, not to view those things as terminal, but to, you know, look for the opportunities, look for the lessons and respond in a positive way and move forward with that. And I think sometimes there's kind of a tendency, isn't there, in British culture to maybe shy away from challenge, shy away from failure, whereas we should perhaps sort of embrace that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it is, it's, um, it's part of, you know, you, you, it's part of the sort of the journey. Yeah, I think if mm. you, you know, you can talk to sort of, sort of Jeff Bezos or, or, um, or um, you know, Steve Jobs on Apple, you know, he was kicked out. He, he had massive product failures, you know, all, all sorts of things, 
you know, go wrong. And, and and sometimes you don't always see those from behind the scenes. You know, you see this sort of these you know these businesses shooting up in value and think, wow, you know, it's got to be easy. Look at them, how, how lucky they are. But I think when you peel back the surface, you'll probably find that the journey is very um, different to that, and it's very kind of up and down and squiggly line, and it's not a sort of a smooth necessarily a smooth passage. Mm. Um, and uh, you know that's okay because you will learn from that. You'll you know, you'll adjust your model and and you know you keep going and uh, you know hopefully you can hopefully make a success of it. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, one of the biggest challenges for businesses over the last couple of years has been the COVID nineteen pandemic. Of course, you did mention that uh, just now, touching on it very briefly. Um, it would be remiss of us not to uh, to talk about that in a little bit more detail. So, what sort of operational challenges did the pandemic throw your way, Nick? Well, I mean, the first big problem with with uh, COVID is is we have a, a sort of a large sort of uh, part of the business which is medical, um, sort of B two B, so that supplying yeah. things like uh, private practice, podiatrists, uh, physiotherapists, um, which all effectively shut down. You know, when, when the first lockdown hit, you know, they weren't even allowed to kind of open initially. Um, they did, there, there were some rules that then came in later to say, well, you know, sort of medical practices and things were allowed to have some, you know, have some sort of opening. But, you know, initially they all had to shut. So our sort of our kind of regular orders went almost to zero overnight. Um, and we were kind of like, oh, crikey, you know, this is going to be a, this is going to be a major problem at the time. We didn't know how long it was going to last and all those things. So, you know, what, what we, um, you know, we, we sort of quickly sort of pivoted and, and, you know, we, we, we hacked back the costs quite quickly um, and all sorts of sort of areas on, on that. And, um, and, and tried to also, you know, promote the, I guess, the bits that were functioning, which was the online business. And actually, you know, we managed to get that growing and, and out the back of it, it's grown faster and more profitably than, you know, the old sort of, the old sort of business that we had. So actually, in a way, COVID um, sort of, you know, in, in, in hindsight of that whole period has probably helped us. Um, although at the time, you know, it was, it was really close. So we, you know, we did also, you know, get some small help from uh, as well from the government with the uh, furlough scheme and the grants, um, which were, um, and the uh, sort of bounce back loan, which was, you know, invaluable uh, really uh, at the time to sort of keep us alive and, and going. Yeah, exactly. Government has, um, to its credit, stepped in to really sort of help prop up business, support business, because it is so important to the backbone of the UK economy. I think that's absolutely right. And industry has really, really rallied together. And I suppose that we've kind of learned a lot about ourselves during this period, haven't we? I mean, we've had the time to kind of self-reflect and sort of improve on product offering, that sort of thing. But I suppose that, you know, we've learned a lot about each other, our colleagues, when the chips are down and when we've really had to muck in. I suppose everybody really has kind of brought the best out in themselves, haven't they? And I imagine you've probably seen that within sort of your own colleagues, your own staff workforce. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've, we've sort of changed a lot of the way that we sort of worked. I mean, some of us are sort of still effectively, you know, working from home. Um, you know, we have the sort of almost like what we call our sort of essential workers that yeah, are involved in the manufacture or sort of actually shipping the orders and things that have to kind of go into a physical office. But you know, anyone that can kind of work from home on the commercial side and things, we, we really sort of in, encourage that. And I think the other nice thing that's come out of it is, is a much more sort of green type of focus. Um, you know, we launched a, an initiative to launch the first sort of um, global recycling of insult program. And again, with a, with some help from the a, a sort of a government grant to do that. And, and I think it's, it's, it's moved what, you know, beyond that, the sort of just how we operate, it's just a simple things like, 
you know, just going digital on not printing loads of paper and, uh, you know, just being much more conscious of all of those things. And, and, and actually it can help business because it does, it does all those are all costs that you can actually reduce. And, and, and so, you know, those, those have also been some of the little sort of um, benefits that come out the back of it. Yeah, there are a lot of positive lessons, I think, that have come out of COVID for sure and a lot of positive things that we can take forward. And it just goes to show that there is that sort of silver lining in amongst all the tragedy, um, I guess. And obviously they always say you shouldn't waste a good crisis and that is a perfect example of that. And I suppose when you're sort of in that kind of crisis management mode of looking for solutions, though, I mean, as sort of a business leader, it's quite easy to kind of come under a great deal of pressure, isn't it? And when you maybe do need to take that kind of step away from things to reflect it can be difficult to kind of you know get yourself into the right mindset to take that step back for a moment and you know when you're in the thick of the stress of a situation like that when you're dealing with a crisis how is it nick that you sort of personally kind of dealt with that if you did feel it um i mean for, for me um you know i i i find you know, I've found stress very hard to sort of manage over over the years. You know, it, it's been um, uh, it affected me a lot more in the early days, and you know, not being able to sort of sleep, and you know, then that would sort of affect your mood and your sort of performance the next day. You know, when we've been close to the edge, you know, that's been highly stressful and and, and very difficult, and you know, challenging on the family and and all those all those sorts of things. I think the only way that I've you know, managed to kind of mitigate it, I guess. It's not 100% gone away, but is is, is through um, a couple of things. One, just sort of eating better, sort of exercise, you know, just the, the, the usual kind of things just to sort of get your, um, uh, get your sort of body and mental health in a sort of, I guess, a better sort of place to be able to deal with the, with the challenges. And I think also just a sort of a, a bit of a realisation that, you know, it just goes with the territory. You know, you sort of get used to managing it, and actually, it's all part of the all part of the sort of tapestry of having your own business. And mm. actually, it's not that sort of that stress isn't particularly helpful, and it kind of is your choice as well to sort of feel that stress. I know that's a bit of a sort of a weird thing to say, but you know, you can in any situation you can kind of choose to say, okay, I'm not going to let this particular sort of missile or problem sort of affect me in that way i'm i'm you know this is the plan and let's 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 give that a go um you know try to talk it through with people i think it's also very useful and get some different ideas and 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 then go from there i mean i i wouldn't say i've solved it at all but i'm significantly better than than i was yeah i suppose that another positive to come from the experience that we've had over the last two years is the fact that we're a lot more kind of self-aware of our own mental health our own mortality and we're willing to kind of talk about that that little bit more and be sort of more transparent more authentic you know when we do need moments to kind of step away and reflect and those sorts of things and I suppose that it's a positive isn't it because I suppose that helps sort of foster a very positive open company culture and I suppose where in we have a recruitment environment out there right now where it's very difficult um, there are a lot of labor shortages and a lot of prospective employees are very concerned about well-being policies within businesses that they're applying for roles for. I suppose it just goes to show that this is something that's becoming far more important in the modern day. And this is something that leaders of businesses, leaders of organizations need to be very, very aware of, keeping sort of that awareness of well-being, of mental health, very much at the forefront of what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think it's I think it's it's really, really important. You know, the, the idea about... Um, 
I, you know, I think that's one of the big benefits of the kind of work from home culture that, that it does, you know, it, it, you know, one, one, we, we had someone who's sort of just, just joined us. who's a sort of a very um, uh, a good sort of ultra marathon kind of runner. And, uh, you know, one of the things that she was looking for was flexibility to be able mm-hmm. to do her training in the middle of the day or the beginning of the day or, you know, and not feel the need to have to sort of commute into an office and, you know, waste all that time and therefore, and then be a bit kind of sort of stuck. And, um, you know, that, that for me is, is, is great. That's a great sort of win-win type of example. You know, we, we, we don't, we're a sort of a digital business, so we don't need people sort of working necessarily nine to five. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, you, you can, you can sort of adapt. And, um, as long as you, you know, we, we, we trust people that they will, you know, put, put the effort in, but we also don't want, you know, we, you know, everybody needs to have their own lives as well. And, and being able to do that, as a, a, you know, on a flexible way, you know, it feels like that's a great, a great sort of thing to do. Yeah. It feels like flexible working sort of came around as a wholesale solution temporarily to the pandemic. And now it's going to be something that's going to be here with us for the long term. And it will define, you know, the way that business operates in the, uh, the UK. So that's just one example of something that, we'll take from this last couple of years and we'll take it forward and it's going to be here for a very long time to come, it seems. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And thinking about that future, Nick, just before we do wrap things up, just in the context of Enator now, um, we are, of course, emerging from the acute phase of the pandemic, it seems, fingers crossed. So over this next 12 months, over this new year, 2022, just before we do wrap things up, I'd be interested to understand what some of your sort of big targets and ambitions are and what is it that you're really sort of hoping to achieve this year? Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things I didn't actually mention on the COVID fallout is, we, is, is the sort of uh, general problems with supply chain. I mean, mm. um, that, you know, there's been a global shortage of chemicals. We've had uh, difficulties getting the right quality. Um, we've actually, we're one of the few sort of companies that have moved our, um, whole supply chain from China to the to the UK. You know, we, we used to sort of outsource everything, but um, uh, uh, you know, in, into the Far East. But actually, you know, we we um, you know we believe in our we, our new technology is all made here, um, and you know we're very sort of passionate about that. And we didn't feel like we could get the quality um, elsewhere, and therefore, you know, it, having it local again helps to sort of green and all of those kind of things. Um, but, you know, we, we've had more sort of demand than we've had supply and, you know, we've had to go out of stock and, you know, we've been out of stock in many of our sort of channels and still are. But actually, you know, we've been now sort of trying to get our production capacity increased and things so we can meet that demand. So this year really for us is, is a year of sort of ex- expansion to be able to kind of go to some other places um, that we hadn't before. You know, we didn't have enough to, uh, supply just to meet the the UK demand, um, and uh, we've you know we've had sort of lots of demand from uh, across Europe and things, and even you know further into the sort of Far East, Japan and Korea and places. We won't be able to do sort of Japan, Korea um, this year, um, but you know we're hoping that we can. We can build enough capacity to do um, uh, some of the European markets. So that's our that's our real focus, and and as uh, you know as we build capacity, then we should be able to expand even further. It's brilliant, isn't it, to be talking about that E-word expansion, considering the last couple of years that we've had, and it's testament to the business's incredible efforts to keep those services running. So very, very well done to yourselves, Nick. And I'm actually very, very um, interested to see just how this pans out for you over the uh, the next year or two. And 
I'd really enjoy actually the opportunity to welcome you back onto the programme to catch up in future just as how those visions are being borne out because it's fantastic the uh, level of ambition that you have and I certainly do wish you all the luck in the world with it. Oh, thank you, Scott. Yeah, I would obviously uh, love to come back and uh, give you the updates and hopefully it's a good one. Well, hopefully so, yeah. We'll have some real positive stories to share by that point, I'm sure. But until then, obviously, until the next time we speak, uh, please do take care and stay safe with all that's still going on in the world because, you know, we're not quite clear of the whole COVID thing yet, but I think better days are certainly ahead of us. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, it's great, great, to, great to talk to you and great to be on your show. Likewise, Nick, it's been an immense pleasure having you and I'm sure the listeners share that sentiment as well. It was such an immense pleasure speaking to CEO and founder of Enator, Nick Beresford, on today's show. Um, And for anybody listening in today who owns their own business or organisation and may feel that you have your own story of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, we also want to hear from you. So why not also apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Um, Until next time, to all of our regular listeners, please do take care and goodbye.